Hola, I am Pastor Yayo, pastor of Spanish Campus El Monte. Since September 8, El Monte has gathered every Sunday to worship and grow together. We launch kids and student programs that continue to grow each week. It's been incredible to watch God move as people make decisions for Christ and take the step of baptism. Thanks to your generosity, El Monte has hosted community block parties and outreach events, including distribution of over 200 turkeys for Thanksgiving and backpacks for kids heading back to school. This year, we'll host our first Christmas celebration. We are praying and preparing to reach 100 new people. Because you give, El Monte makes a difference by sharing the light of Christ with our Hispanic community. Gracias and Feliz Navidad. Man, let's give it up for Pastor Yayo and El Monte. You know, sometimes I can't believe what we get to do as a church. To think just a couple years ago, El Monte was just a dream, this Spanish campus. And here it is now. It launched in September. And it's already making a difference here in this community. And even getting ready to have its first Christmas service today at 2 p.m. here in the chapel here in Stafford. Man, we're so glad to get to see what God is doing through us and that we get to be a part of it. I know sometimes church is easy to think, well, there goes the mount launching another campus. Uh, there goes the mount um, paying off the student lunch debt in two different counties. Uh, there goes the mount having it where, you know, we're um, getting ready to do night to shine and we're going to love on special needs people all over the area. There goes the mount throwing a banquet for people battling homelessness in the Fredericksburg, at the Fredericksburg campus. There goes the mount seeing another person give their life to Christ, another person getting baptized. It's so easy to think that all these things are normal. Well, let me just tell you that they're not. And we shouldn't take for granted what it is that we get to do and what God is doing through us. I really do believe, church, that we want to be a church that practices what we preach. So we believe that because Jesus gave, that we also give. And we don't have to do it, but man, praise God, we get to. We get to partner with God to make a difference for one more. So let's keep leading the way in generosity. Uh, no matter which campus you're at today, let's keep leading the way in generosity. And hey, Fredericksburg, if you're watching online right here at Stafford, I wanted to start today by telling you this is your public service announcement that Christmas is three days away. How many of you guys see some more shopping you need to do? How many of you guys are not done yet? You still have a little bit of time, okay, a little bit of time. And I also just want to start today by asking you a question, okay? Um, I know that the area that we live in, Spotsylvania County, Stafford County, this Northern Virginia area is a busy area. But how many of you would say by raising your hand that this time of year, this Christmas season is a busy time of year for you? Raise your hand up. You would say this is a busy, 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 busy time of year for you. You know, um, I know that this, is, this culture around us is busy, but I really do think there's something about this year uh, something about this time of year where it seems like we're even more busier than we ever thought we could be. In fact, um, if you ask someone, you go up to them and say, hey, how are you doing? What's been going on in your life? How are things going for you? They're going to reply and say, man, I've been so busy. I've been so busy. I've been so busy. In fact, at both campuses right now, turn to the person sitting next to you and say, hey, I'm too busy to even talk to you this morning, okay? I'm too busy. But hey, have have you ever thought about why in the world are we so busy? 
And is all this busyness even amounting to anything? Do we want our lives to be characterized by this busyness that we pursue so often in our lives? In fact, theologian and author John Ortberg said this about busyness. He said that busyness has become a badge of importance to all of us. Because if I'm not busy, then I'm not valued. You know, today we're going to be in the third part of our series called No Joy. And I titled today's message, No Kindness. We've been looking in this book of the Bible called Ruth, this short book of the Bible called Ruth. And all throughout this story that takes place in Bethlehem about a thousand years before Jesus was born in the same town, we see this story about Ruth and her guardian redeemer Boaz and her mother-in-law Naomi. And all throughout these relationships that we see, we see that kindness has been shown. In fact, if you read straight through the book of Ruth, you're going to see the word kindness actually mentioned several times throughout the entire book. And even throughout the Old Testament, you'll see the word kindness mentioned. Now, I want you to know right off the bat that when you see the word kindness translated in our English Bibles, it actually comes from a Hebrew word called hesed. And hesed, when you pronounce it, actually that H has kind of a guttural sound to it. So it's like hesed. So we're going to do that at both campuses today. On the count of three, you're going to say this word with me, okay? Remember, it's chesed. So you got to throw it from the back of your throat, okay? Throw it from the back of your throat. So you guys ready? One, two, three. Chesed. That sounded gross, okay? Let's not try that ever again. But you know, this, um, this word is not... Even though it's translated into kindness, and sometimes when we think about kindness, we think about, you know, if you're opening the door for somebody, or maybe you see a mom with a bunch of kids, and she drops something, and you help her pick that thing up. Um, and that, that is kindness, yes, and those are good things. But this word, hesed, it's a, it's a little bit broader than that. And if we could take all of the English words to help us understand what this word means, it actually means a loving kindness, It's a loving kindness that expresses loyalty, faithfulness, goodness, graciousness, joy, and even godly action. So again, this is not just a type of kindness that produces some nice feelings. This is a type of kindness that does produce joy in people's lives. So to know joy, you have to know kindness. But let me ask you a question. Do you have time to be kind? Do you have time to be kind? Because to be kind takes time. And see, the more kindness we carry out, the more joy people would experience all around us. But see, the busier we are, the less time we have. The less time we have, the less kindness we show. The less kindness we show to others, the less joy we experience and those around us will experience. So in our world, your school, even in your very house. Do you want people to know joy or do you want people to experience no joy? Because the enemy to kindness is indeed busyness. I simply don't have time to be kind. And today we want to know kindness. We want to experience it and we also want to give it. But to do that, you have to battle busyness. 
In fact, even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, no matter where you're watching from, even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, these principles we're going to look at in Ruth chapter 3 are so good, so powerful that you can put them into your life and God can use to even begin to make a difference in your relationship when you show kindness in this way. So you may say, you know what, I don't know yet about this God thing, but this is a good thing that you can put in place in your life right now. So here in Ruth chapter 3, we're going to see that we can do just that, that we can battle busyness and show kindness. And not just right now in this Christmas season, or as 2019 is coming to a close, not just right now in this season when you might say you're busier than ever as you're, as you're trying to finish all the rest of your, your shopping list. In fact, you may even say, you know what, Andrew, you need to talk a little bit faster because right after this service is over, I gotta go finish my Christmas shopping. And not only that, but now that uncle's coming over that we weren't planning on coming over because my mom invited him. Now I gotta go try to find a gift for him. And my basement flooded last week. That check engine light is coming on, on the car right now. I-95 is only getting worse. Courthouse Road, I still don't understand that new entrance thing that they put up there, and that's driving me crazy. I'm so busy, 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 busy. Let's take a breath, because today we're going to battle busyness with kindness. So just one more time before we jump into the passage today, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, be kind and rewind. Anybody remember that from back in the day? VHS tape. Look it up, young people. Hey, the first way I want, to, I want us to be able to battle busyness and show kindness is simply this. We need to know that we need to invest in someone else. We need to actually take time to invest in someone else. Listen to how this third chapter of Ruth starts out, starting in verse 1. Ruth chapter 3, verse 1 says this. One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. So Ruth, wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Now pause right there for a moment. There's some of you who have been looking for a date for a while. And I just want to encourage you to read over this verse again. Memorize it, put it up on a mirror somewhere. Because for some of you, you may just need to do this, okay? And in fact, some of you, maybe you've been married for a while and maybe you feel like your relationship romance is decreasing. Some of you may need to up, upgrade your, your clothing game, your shoe game, maybe even your scent game, okay? To relight those things and invest a little bit in yourself before you invest in others. Just a thought, okay? But Ruth says, look, wash, put on perfume, Get dressed in your best clothes and then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. You know, there's, going to, there's so much today in this chapter of Ruth, and I wish I had time to go over every single detail and every single connection, but I'm just able to highlight a few. And in fact, right here in the beginning of it, we see that Naomi is starting to help Ruth come up with this plan to help Boaz to notice her a little bit more. Now, there's such, if you, if you know what happened back in part one of this when we read chapter one where Pastor Todd and Katie Hawkins discussed Naomi's life, you would know there is a night and day difference from when we first met Naomi. 
In fact, we're going to jump back to Ruth chapter 1 and see if you can see the difference that kindness has made in Naomi's life, which translates into what happened in Ruth's life. Look at Ruth chapter 1 and verse 8 again. It says, Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord, not me, okay, I'm too busy with what's going on in my life. I don't have time for it. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept out loud and said to her, look, we, we will go back to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Do you see the difference in Naomi's life? Back in chapter one, she was saying, you know what? I'm too busy with my own grief. I'm too busy with my own sorrow. I'm too busy with everything that I'm dealing with to even think about you, Ruth. In fact, I don't have time to deal with your problems. I'm too busy with what's happening with me. Bye, I'll see you later. But because Ruth had shown Naomi kindness, this hesed, this loving kindness, this God-gracious action, because she had experienced that, we now see a change that has happened in Naomi. No longer is she saying, Ruth, you know what, get away from me, go away. But now she's saying, I must find you a home. I must find you a husband. I must find you a place where you're going to be well provided for. She's gone from saying, get away, I'm too busy with everything happening in my life, to now I need to invest in your life. I need to make sure that you are well cared for. She said, I must find a home for you. And see, when you take the opportunity to on purpose invest in someone else, you show them kindness. So church, who is it that you are investing in? Who is it that you're actually giving time to and investing in someone else's life? And see, when busyness rules, we take less time to invest in the lives of others. And just like John Ortberg said, oftentimes when we get so busy, we may feel valued. But see, when we slow down to show someone kindness, to battle against busyness, we take time to invest in their lives. We actually show them that they are valued. And let me just say, church, this is an area that I actually failed in horribly last week. Last week, um, I was doing some things around our house, and it's, it was a busy time of year. And let me just say, last week, Saturday, I was really busy. In fact, I was trying to complete some things on my to-do list. In fact, have you ever had it where the things that you're doing, they aren't really even that important because you want that sense of accomplishment. You want that sense to feel valued. You're actually checking some stuff off the list. You're like, I've got to get these things done, even though they could maybe wait for a little bit longer. I was just doing some tasks like that around the house. 
And my youngest son, his name is Lucas. Uh, he's four years old. In fact, you may see a picture of him up on the screens here. And you may even see that picture and think, you know what? Andrew's killing it as a dad, taking his son to a theme park. That picture's from like three years ago. It's one of the only happy pictures I could find. But... Um, <laughs> So on this Saturday, and there, there was this event happening at the Fredericksburg campus, so I need to make sure I get, got my things done so I could be there for this event. And so I'm moving some things around, doing some Christmas decorations around the house. And as I'm moving things around, my son discovers this game that I think he actually got for Christmas last year. And um, it's, it's, it's the, uh, it was the, a new version of that fish game, you know, everyone used to play where it's these plastic fish that go around in a circle and you get that hook and you scoop out the fish. Well, this was the, the Lightning McQueen Disney Cars version of that game where instead of fish, there's cars circulating around in there and you have this metal crane hook, uh, magnetic crane hook that you take the, fit, the cars and you pick them up and whoever has the most cars at the end will win the game. And so my son, who's four, finds this game again, pulls it out, turns it on, starts to play with it. And he says to me, in the middle of my busyness, he says, Daddy, do you want to play with me? To which I replied, I can't because I'm busy. To which my son, who's four and responds in only the way a four-year-old could, says to me, Daddy, look, this is easy. All you do is take this hook put it on one of these things, pull it up, see, easy. Do you want to play with me? To which I look at him again and say, sorry, son, I have to get these things done. And the crazy thing was I, I, I didn't have to get those things done. I know there are times when we do need to say no because there's some things that we really do need to get, to, get done. But all my son was asking me to do in that moment was to play with him. But he's really asking me, look, will you invest in our relationship, Dad? Will you actually take some time to slow down to play with me? And like I said, I know that all of us are busy. But you know what, church? I don't want to be known as the busy dad. I don't want to be known as the dad who was so busy that I didn't have time to invest in the relationships that actually mattered the most. And you know what? I believe that you think the same way. I think that you don't want your life to end and have people say you or label your life and say, you know what, they were just too busy, 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 busy for me. And there's something about when we actually slow down and we battle this busyness that's all around us, when we actually slow down to invest in the life of someone else, we show just how valuable they are. In fact, I really do believe husbands out there that you need to slow down, battle business, and actually invest in the relationship with your wife. You need to take time to actually pray with her. You need to actually take time to date her again. You need to actually take time to simply listen to her. Students, I know that you are busy with sports and activities and recitals and games and maybe even that part-time job and homeworks and projects. But if you really want to make a difference in this world, if you really want to see what God can do through you, then you really have to take time and slow down and actually invest in your relationship with Jesus. And parents, I know that we can focus on our careers and all of our activities I know that we got bills to pay. I know that at times it feels good to be busy. But will you slow down? Will you actually invest 
in the lives of those little boogers that God has given you? (laughs) Will you actually take time to pray with them, to pray for them, to play with them? Will you actually take time to teach them what it is that Jesus has been doing in your life? In fact, author and pastor Andy Stanley even says it this way. He says that your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something that you do, but instead it may be somebody that you raise. Not something that you're busy doing, but someone that you've decided to invest in and spend time with and share resources with, somebody that you actually invest in. So church, sometimes we just need to battle busy by taking time to show some kindness, that loving kindness, that godly action, and actually invest in the life of somebody else. But not only that, I think the story of Ruth here in chapter 3 shows us that we need to battle busyness and show kindness when we actually slow down and show somebody that they are not invisible. You know, Boaz, he was a busy man. This was a busy season for him. Harvest time during the year as the leader, owner of the land, he was down there making sure that the harvest was brought in. It was a truly busy season for this man of renown, this man of character, this wealthy man in this area. And even now as Naomi is trying to help Ruth um, come up with this plan, giving her advice to get Boaz to notice her a little bit more, Boaz is working hard leading this team to bring in this harvest. And it really is a very, very busy season for him. And in fact, typically Boaz, as a leader of this, a leader of this uh, farming business that he was running, he typically wouldn't be down there. But at the peak of harvest season, he was down there with his team, leading his team to make sure the harvest was indeed brought in. And again, Naomi is investing in Ruth's life. She's showing her kindness by saying, look, I must find you a home. I must provide for you, help you find a place you're going to be provided for. So as Naomi is investing in Ruth, trying to help her find a husband. And you may be thinking, reading this and say, you know what, what, Ruth doesn't need to find a husband. She would be okay on her own. But the truth of the matter is, things were a little bit different during this culture. In fact, in this culture, if you were a widow especially one from a foreign land, especially one where your only relative was your aging mother-in-law, if you were a widow in this culture and you didn't have something like a guardian redeemer or family could actually take you in, you would either end up begging on the streets or somebody like Ruth actually may have to even step into the world of prostitution. So that's why this next part is so important as Naomi's helping her come up with this plan to secure this guardian redeemer. Listen to what Naomi tells Ruth to do in chapter 3, verse 3. Naomi says, Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And then he will tell you, what to do. And Ruth answered, I will do whatever you say. Now, this may seem like a very awkward step to take in a dating relationship. For you to go and um, uncover somebody's feet while they're sleeping, it seems really odd. And in fact, um, some people have even tried to suggest that Naomi was trying to get Ruth to seduce Boaz. Hey, Go put on your best dress, take a bath, put on perfume. When this dude is sleeping, begin to uncover him and let's see what happens, okay? 
Some people think that Naomi was trying to get Ruth to seduce him so that it would be guaranteed that he would have to marry her. But all throughout this story, we see that Ruth is painted as a woman of integrity. We see that Boaz is painted as a man of integrity. We know they want to show loving kindness, this godly action, this graciousness that God wants them to show to each other. So really what's happening here, and all Naomi is really trying to tell Ruth to do, is that when he goes to sleep out in this field to uncover his feet, so hopefully a blast of cold air will hit his feet, and he's going to wake up in the middle of the night and maybe even see you in a different light. So this is not seduction happening here. This is not the start of the bachelorette and Ruth's trying to get herself a rose, okay? It's not that. All it simply is is that Naomi is telling Ruth, look, do this so he can notice you in a different way. So let's continue reading and see what it says here. And really, honestly, it's a continuation of, um, of what Pastor Todd was even saying last week. And he was like, hey, or however he said it. So anyway, Ruth chapter 3, verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. And again, this, this paints a picture that they were maintaining their integrity. They didn't go back to some private bedroom or some private house. They were sleeping out in the field. In fact, during the peak of harvest season, uh, the team, the crew, the leader, they would actually all sleep out in the field so they can maximize the daylight hours to make sure that they get this harvest in. So there were other people around, again, to help the story maintain its integrity. So Ruth approached quietly. She uncovered his feet and lay down. And then in the middle of the night, something startled the man. Now, now, this probably was because what, what they would do is that they would actually go near, uh, go maybe further up to harvest the barley where there was maybe stronger winds because the wind would blow away the chaff. So literally, as she uncovers his feet, colder, stronger winds probably made that dude, dude's feet feel cold and it startled him and he woke up. So in the middle of the night, something startled the man and he turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, he, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. Now, just one more point, because I want to make sure you know, like, just how important it is as Ruth and Boaz are, are going through this relationship, they're building their relationship, they're courting one another, that they made, in, that they were walking in integrity and this kindness that God talks about all throughout this book. Uh, right here, again, people trying to make it seem like when, when he said, throw the corner of your garment over me, that that was also something, uh, some type of innuendo. But really what that meant was that Boaz was probably wearing some type of cloak, extra blankets. And when somebody would throw the corner of their garment over you, what it was was a sign that, hey, I see you. And not only that, but I accept you. In fact, it was a sign of godly acceptance happening in this story. In fact, Boaz even go to say it here in the next verse. He says, this kindness is greater than which you, that which you have shown me earlier. You have not run after the younger men, which were richer, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you as you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. You know, Boaz really could have ignored Ruth. 
In fact, widows during this time, they were often ignored, especially one from a foreign land. They were often either invisible or ignored because unless they were out begging or causing some type of trouble. And I love how in this story, again, in this busy season of Boaz's life, he slows down to show Ruth that she is not invisible. In fact, he says, look, I know all the things that you've been doing. I know that you are a woman of noble character. Not only that, but everybody around here knows. They know how hard you work. They know the kindness that you've been showing to everyone who's come in contact with you. And, you know, there's something so good about when we slow down and actually acknowledge the work that people have been doing all around us. And we reminded that they are not invisible. And Boaz wanted to say to Ruth here, look, you are not invisible. You are not invisible to God. You are not invisible to me. In fact, I see you, Ruth. I see that you are valuable. I see that you are virtuous. I see that you are beautiful. I see that loving kindness that you've been showing to everyone. And I think this story is a reminder that God is never too busy to show us that we are not invisible. And no matter where you're watching from today, I believe God wants you to slow down for a moment and he wants you to hear that you are not invisible to him, that he sees you. He sees exactly what it is that you're going through. He loves you. You are valuable to him. You are beautiful to him. You are virtuous to him. And God wants you to know that you are not invisible to him. It's a reminder that when we battle busy and show kindness, that we really have to slow down and show people around us that they are not invisible to us or to God. So for some of you, that may mean, wives, that you need to slow down in this season as you're trying to plan that Christmas dinner and as you're trying to make sure that everything is ready and getting gifts for the kids, that you slow down and show your husband that he's not invisible in this season and to thank you for all the work that he's been doing to provide for your family. This may mean, kids, that even if you've moved out, that take time and slow down and show your parents that they're not invisible by picking up the phone or FaceTiming them and calling them and letting them know that all the investment they've made in you has made a difference in your life. It may mean, church, that on your way to work for the next couple of days or as you're out and about, that you slow down, that you battle busyness, and you show kindness by showing that person who's been holding up the sign on the side of the road that they are not invisible, that God loves them, man, that they are seen, that God values them, and that you do too. Sometimes the best way to battle busyness and to show that loving kindness is to slow down and show those around us that they are not invisible to us or to God. And the third way that we can battle busyness and show kindness is simply this, is that we sometimes need to invite someone in. We need to invite someone else in. Look how this story concludes in Ruth chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. This chapter concludes. Verse 12, it says, Although it is true, Boaz said, although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer or a kinsman redeemer, depending on which translation of the Bible you read, Although I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I am. So right here, we see that there's actually a problem with the plan. 
See, the, uh, the, the culture back then and the law back then based out of Deuteronomy chapter 25 pretty much said if there was a widow within a family, then the next closest male relative could take that widow to be his wife. And again, it wasn't to treat women as property, but it was to make sure that someone like Ruth was well provided for and well cared for. So maybe it was that person who dies brother, or maybe it was like the second cousin three times removed, or the second cousin fourth time removed. Like pretty much the closest relative would redeem that person, marry that widow, and if the closest relative didn't want to do it, then it would kind of span out from there in family order. So what Boaz is saying is that, look, there is someone who is closer in relation. There's someone who can actually step in here. But what Boaz is saying too, look, Ruth, I want to be the one who invites you in. I want to be the one who shares life with you. I want to be the one who invites you into a closer relationship with me. But see, I love the fact that Boaz still is a man of integrity. Because he could have lied and said, oh, there's no other guardian redeemer. I'm the one. There's nothing else to see here. It's just me. But he said, look, there's someone else. And he could have lied. He could have broke the law. But because he's such a person of this loving kindness, godly action, he shows this kindness to Ruth and even to this other guardian redeemer. And this is the type of kindness, again, it doesn't just bring nice feelings, but it produces joy in those all around us and even in us. Listen to how the story continues here in verse 13. Stay here for the night, Boaz said, and in the, in the morning, if this other guy wants to do his duty as guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. I, but I sure hope he's not. <laughs> but if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. He said, lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured it into six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her. And added, he even gave me the six measures of barley saying, hey, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. You know, Boaz still doesn't push Ruth away. Even in this busy season, he could have said, look, okay, there's this problem with the plan. Um, I have all these things going on. Let me finish this harvest first, and then I'll get busy trying to figure out this other thing first, uh, this other guardian redeemer. Let me try to do all those things first. He could have even said, you know, I'm so busy right now. Maybe this is a sign you're not the best option. I got a lot of maidens around me. Maybe I need to explore all my other options first. But Boaz wants to invite Ruth in to share life with her. Now, now, I do think, and, and in this context, what, of course, he's inviting her into a marriage relationship. Spoiler alert, they do get married in chapter 4. But I do think there's a broader application here for all of us, even beyond marriage. See, Boaz wants to invite Ruth in to really share life with her, to share what it is that God has done in his life, to share all that God has provided for him, to share all that God wants to do in him and through him and to share that with her. He simply wants to invite her to come closer into his life. 
So who is it, church, that you can invite to come closer into your life? Who is it that you can invite to actually begin to really share life with beyond the surface conversations and beyond just a, hey, how you're doing? Who is it that you can actually invite a little bit closer? And see, the more that we share life with people, actually the more healthier we are spiritually, mentally, and even if you find a good CrossFit community, physically as well, which I don't know anything about that CrossFit community, but... (laughs) And, you know, as a pastor, this is one of the areas I often push people toward the most. But this is also one of the areas I get the most pushback on as well. Because people say, I'm so busy, busy, busy. I'm too busy to join a life group. I'm too busy to step into community. I'm too busy to really invite other people in. But there's something about when you make the choice to actually share your life with people. You show them kindness. And not only do you know joy but they experience joy as well. So I really want to challenge you because oftentimes, you know, if if we just decide to keep being so busy and let that label our lives, our relationships actually end up being more transactional than relational. And we can honestly even start feeling alone. In fact, busyness actually pushes us toward isolation. But it's, it's when we decide to slow down and show kindness Kindness actually pushes us toward invitation. There's something about inviting people into your life and to share life with them where you get to experience kindness and joy in a brand new way. It's one of the reasons, too, why we've been pushing so hard for people to uh, invite people to come to Christmas Eve here at the Mount. Church, I hope you know at Fredericksburg and, hey, even if you're watching online and and here at Stafford, I hope you know that we're not just trying to get some some big crowd here, okay? But we really do believe that, man, when, when our lives are so busy, when some of these cultural things rob us of what real life is about, only Jesus can really redeem it. And when you invite someone into a relationship with Christ, when you invite someone to experience what you've been experiencing following Jesus, man, that adds so much value to their lives. That adds so much value to people's lives and it reminds us that only through Jesus can we really experience life to the full. So church, do you have time to be kind? Or are you too busy? I know that this region that we live in, again, Spotsylvania County, Stafford County, this Northern Virginia area, I know that this region of the country Um, It's probably not going to become the most tranquil part of the country anytime soon. I know that it's not going to slow down where everyone's like, I got too much time on my hands. I don't know if they'll ever fix 95. I know that this will continue to be a busy region of the country that we live in. But do we want our lives to be labeled as busy, busy, busy? Or do we want to battle busy? And do we want to show this loving kindness that comes from a relationship with God? Do we want to slow down and invest in the lives of others? Do we want to slow down and show kindness to the people around us, let them know that they are not invisible to us and they are not invisible to God? Do we want to slow down and actually invite somebody in and share with them what's going on in our lives? I'm so tired of finding out about something was falling apart behind the scenes in someone's life and pretending like everything was okay on the front. 
But if they would have just shared what was actually happening in their lives, man, God could have poured his grace and his kindness all over that and something that was broken could have been restored. What would happen if you actually invited people in? I'm going to ask our worship team at both campuses going to make their way back up to the stage. And as they're making their way back up the stage, I know what you're saying, Fredericksburg. I know what you're saying, Stafford. I know what you're saying wherever you're watching from somewhere around the world. I know you're saying, look, Andrew, all you've done is given me one more thing to do. I can't invite, I can't invest in every single person around me. I don't have time for that. Even though I'm busy, like I don't have time to invest in everyone around me. I don't have time. I'm way too busy um, to, have, to show everyone around me that they are not invisible, even though I get it. It's a big need around this area. But I don't have time to show everybody that they're not invisible. And I certainly do not have time to invite more people into my life. I already have enough. I got four kids at home. I don't have time to invite anybody else into my life. And you're right. You don't have time for everyone, but you do have time for someone. And I really do believe this story here in Ruth chapter 3, as Boaz shows kindness to Ruth and Ruth to Naomi and Naomi to the both of them, I believe what God's been trying to show us today is that, look, life can be busy. It was back then, even in Bethlehem. It was, it's busy right now here today in 2019. And we may not be able to invest or show everyone that they're not invisible or even invite everyone into our life, but you can do that with someone. So church, here's my question for you. Who's your someone? Who's that someone that you can slow down even in this season and you can take a moment and really invest in their life to pray with them, to pray for them, Hey, for someone in your family to play with them and encourage them? Who's that person, that one person, that someone that you can show that they are not invisible to God? And God has not given up on them, but man, He loves them. And there's so much more to life than what they're even experiencing right now. Who's your someone that you can invite in to experience Christmas at the Mount? that you can invite into your life to begin to share life with so that nobody feels alone. Who's your someone? And I believe today that there's someone who's listening at Fredericksburg, watching online, even here at Stafford. I believe there's someone listening today and you haven't yet given your life to Christ. And I want you to know today that you're that someone. You're that someone that God has been investing in since the beginning. He created you on purpose for a purpose. You're the person that He wants you to know that you are not invisible to Him, that He sees you. He sees everything that you've been through. He even knows your sin and your past, but He wants you to know just how good His love and His forgiveness is. He wants you to know that right now, and for the longest time, and maybe you've even been too busy to notice it, that He's been inviting you in. He's been inviting you into a relationship with Him so that not just now can you experience joy, but for eternity. Come on, are you that someone who's ready to give their life to Jesus today? Come on, both campuses are gonna bow your heads and close your eyes. 
happen and bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you're ready to give your life to Christ today, right where you are, would you pray this simple prayer? Would you say, Jesus, thank you for investing in me. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my past. Today, Jesus, I accept your invitation. Today, Jesus, you are Lord and leader of my life. And while everyone says their heads down and their eyes closed, if that was you today and you accepted the invitation to make Jesus Lord and leader of your life, in a moment, I'm gonna to count to three. And when I count to three, I want you to shoot your hand straight up in the air to declare that was me today. And I'm letting Jesus lead. Christmas came early for me today. So if that's you at Fredericksburg, here at Stafford, get ready. One, two, three. Gonna shoot your hand up high, shoot it up high, keep it up just for a moment. Our prayer team is gonna make their way around to you. Let's keep it up so they can see you. They have a card that they want to give you today. Keep it up at either campus. Gonna keep it up for just a few more moments. And Father God, I just wanna thank you, Lord. God, I wanna thank you for how much you love us and you care about us. God, I know that you've been investing in us. God, I know that you've created us on purpose for a purpose. God, I know that so many times we're so busy to even notice that. But Lord, even in this Christmas season, God, would you slow us down? Would you help us, Lord, to invest in someone else and show them this loving kindness? God, would you help us to see the people that are around us to show them that they are not invisible to us and remind them, Lord, that they are not invisible to you. And God, would you help us to invite people in to hear about the life-changing love of Jesus, to hear about what it is that you've been doing in our lives and through our lives. And I know, God, when we know this type of kindness, God, we are going to know joy. God, we love you. And we praise you. Hey church, look up at me for a moment at both campuses. And hey, if you raise your hand today to follow Christ and you got one of those cards, in a moment, we're gonna stand up and sing at both campuses. When we stand up to sing and you got one of those cards, I want you to head over to the prayer room here at Stafford to my left, your right. And at Fredericksburg, head to the back of the room where we have a table set up back there for you. And if you turn in that card today, we have a, a brand new Bible that we wanna give you to help you on this journey as you've accepted the invitation to follow Jesus. So at both campuses, let's go in and stand and sing and move this morning.